Continuing further our inquiry, what do we know about the nature of God from the Bible? We now come to consider God's emotional nature and also the evidence is that God possesses free will. How wonderful has been the declaration of the Bible that God is a great personal being, that he is not an impersonal force or a collection of intelligences, but that God is a living being who manifests himself to man and desires to have fellowship with man, desires to reveal his great personality to man. We saw last time that God desires to think along with us. And what an elevation of possibilities is ours in the great mind of God and the fact that he is interested in manifesting his intelligence to us. At this present hour, we saw how men had approached God, how they had reasoned with God, and that God had made decisions in response to their humble prayers and their humble reasonings. We now go on to see that God possesses an emotional nature or that experiences reactions and changes if God could not experience these variations in his state of being, he would certainly not be a personality in any sense that we can comprehend it. But, but how wonderful that God is a great living personality who reacts to our actions. We are living personalities. We must do things. We must think things. We must experience things. And how wonderful that we can have our experiences related to God. And so we read in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 16 and verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And so here, God reacts to our actions and has a response to our perfection of heart or our intentions to please him and recognize him. We look to the psalmist in the 78th Psalm to reveal to us further reactions of God's inner being. Verse 38, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many times turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Here then we see that God is provoked to anger, and that he may turn his anger away and exercise compassion and forgiveness. Also in verse 58 and 59, For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh and the tent which he placed among them. So God, in response to our departure from him, is a jealous God. Jealousy springs out of true love, and so it is God's true love for us that causes him to be jealous when we do not give him his rightful place in our hearts but this jealousy may be turned away to compassion. In the 95th Psalm also, and verses 10 and 11, we read about God being grieved 
and that he has wrath, and then that he rests. Forty years long was I agreed with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. So here God has been greatly grieved in his great being over the rebelliousness of the children of Israel. And so in the 12th chapter of Isaiah, we have God manifesting anger, then turning away from this anger and exercising comfort. Verse 1, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. So God experiences these changes of personality in response to our actions toward him. He is therefore a living personality and has the quality of an emotional nature. In Zechariah the prophet, chapter 1, verse 14, the middle of the verse, and on through 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, with a great jealousy, I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Here God is provoked to jealousy, and then this state of provokedness is increased by further rebellion. Truly God is a great living personality. In Ezekiel chapter 6 and the last part of verse 9, we have a tremendous declaration as to how this could ever be true is a great mystery to us and always shall be. Here we have God revealed as a broken-hearted God over the sins of men. He's so uh, involved in man's heart that when man treats him in a rebellious way, the great heart of God is affected and broken. Here we read, I am broken with their whorish heart, which hath departed from me, and with their eyes, which go a-whoring after their idols. And they shall loathe themselves because of the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. So here the broken-hearted God is manifested. But God not only has a great profound emotional nature, but again and again the Bible records the decisions of God's will. So we know that he possesses this most vital element of personality, the freedom of choice and the ability to carry out these choices in new purposes. You recall in the first chapter of Genesis, the great decision of God is manifested when God said, let us make man. And then after man had fallen and turned away from his uh, submission to God, God was forced to make another decision. As we read about in the third chapter of Genesis and verses 22 and 23, in reaction against man's sin, God decided to drive man forth from the Garden of Eden. And the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. 
Now, now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east gate of the Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And as sin developed, God was further affected. And so we read in the sixth chapter of Genesis and verse 6, when God saw how bad man's actions had become, he actually repented, we are told, or regretted that he had created man. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So God has this great personality of being able to be grieved, and in consequence thereof, to make decisions. So the great tragedy of the flood was brought upon man because of his rebellion. And here was another decision, was it not? Verse 12 of the sixth chapter of Genesis, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh hath corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Here then was a decision. God determined to bring the flood upon the earth in heartbreaking judgment because of the sins of men. After the flood, God made another decision, which we have witnessed to again and again. God resolved never again to destroy man by a flood and gave the rainbow as a token of this promise. In Genesis chapter 9 and verses 11 to 13, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. For I do set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So God made another profound decision here and carried it forth. We have read about Hezekiah and how he petitioned the Lord in the time of need. He also asked for an extension of his life, and God heard this petition and granted him this extension. As we read about in the 20th chapter of the book of Second Kings, and verses 5 and 6. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of the people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Here then was a climax, a petition to God. And by the way, here is a suitable consecration of life for those of us who are praying over our sicknesses. If God raises us up, will we serve him with all our hearts? This is the great issue. But concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, it's revealed in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14 that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Here was a colossal decision on the part of God. The day of Christ's return 
is a matter of the Father's decision. As we read in the first chapter of Acts and verse 7, so this wonderful God as revealed in the Bible not only has the ability of intelligence, not only has emotional reactions, but has a conclusion of the will that is continually exercised. He is a great and glorious personality. May we close in the words of Isaiah in the 12th chapter, verses 5 and 6. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank thee for these profound revelations of thy being. May we go forth to have a right attitude toward thee, so that thou mightest have a right reaction toward us, and lead us in the pass of exploration of thy great and glorious personality. So may many repent, look to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, find forgiveness, and the entrance into this glorious heavenly fellowship, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen.